No. To be, to be adopted at six months old or six, yeah, six weeks old. Um, I don't know. Like my parents told me when I was young that I was adopted. And, you know, to me, I really didn't understand, you know, oh, okay, whatever. Didn't really know at that young age what adoption meant. And that's why I look at not everybody can do it. Uh, being adopted is, again, being blessed by family that's willing to take you in with their own family. Welcome, everyone, to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's Outreach and Communications Admin. We are excited you're joining us today to hear stories of adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by Imagination Learning Center. They nurture children with a positive environment, focus on creativity, education, and self-confidence, and share our faith in God. Find out more at www.imaginationcenter.com. We are grateful to Imagination for supporting today's stories. Now stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Hogan, Vice President of Programs at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're here with us today. My guest today is Trooper Kalunga. Trooper Kalunga grew up in Marlin and Waco, Texas. He has lived in Ennis since 1980. He had a great career in law enforcement and after 40 years is enjoying a well-deserved retirement. Trooper Kalunga has been married to his wife, Diana, for 10 years, and he has four children and two with his current wife, Diana. He is here to share his story of adoption and the value of education. Through his years of serving in law enforcement, he has partnered with TBHC to help give our kids a push towards a successful future. His story is one of blessings. He joins our podcast today, hoping to inspire others and help bring kids home. Trooper Kalunga, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Well, thank you for having me here. Well, um, 40 years in, in law enforcement is wonderful and an honorable career. So can you tell me what you're doing now in retirement? Uh, well, believe it or not, the day I retired from the Department of Public Safety, we went and signed on our first house to flip. And uh, went from having an air-conditioned office with air-conditioned car to drive around in and work in to sweating in a living room at 95 to 105 degrees. So I made quite a big change, but... Uh, Man, the paperwork's no no longer there, and that, that made it worthwhile. That's awesome. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your bringing kids home story? Tell us about your story of adoption. Well, I was adopted at six weeks of age. Um, my parents both came over from Mexico, and when they came, uh, they came over from Mexico, and uh, never did really talk to mom and dad of why they did not have their own children because I was blessed that they got me. And at six, they got, they had my sister first. They, my sister was already, uh, they adopted her first. And then uh, later on, uh, I think within a month or two, they had, uh, you know, uh, went back and adopted me. And as my sister hates when I say it, I always said they knew they screwed up and came back and got me. So, you know, that's just part of our inside joke that she doesn't like. But uh, I was very blessed because here it is. Uh, my dad was a painter body man. Uh, my, my mother never spoke English. Uh, she barely ever worked because, again, they're Mexican-Americans, and uh, at that point in time, she stayed home with the children. She stayed home and, and made the, you know, got the house done and made sure we got to school and got all our stuff. But, you know, we, we were uh, lived in Marlin until we made the big move to Waco, Texas, uh, my, my freshman year of high school. 
So I got to go to Waco, Texas, and my dad made good friends. He's, uh, we're Catholic, and he was Knights of Columbus. And uh, the gentleman called, Bert, uh, his name was Bert Colgen. Uh, uh, he owned a Ford dealership. And he enticed my dad to move to, uh, to, move to Waco, and uh, he gave him a job as a painter body man. So we, as like I called it, like the Beverly Hillbillies, we loaded up the truck and went to the big city. And uh, like I said, I went to, went to Waco, and one of the very uh, the best things that ever happened to me, Mr. Colgen uh, helped my dad out to send me to Riker Catholic High School. Because I can guarantee at those times, the only thing I wanted to do was play football and baseball and uh, be, an athlete, uh, be an athlete. And by going to Riker uh, was my first shot at possibly going to college. It's, my frame of mind went back from just wanting to play sports. But the good nuns uh, had a different idea. You know, they put education in my mind and... Um, I ended up going to uh, Tarleton uh, University for the first year and then ended up at uh, North Texas State. And when I went to North Texas State, um, as I got up into 80 uh, credits of college, uh, I had a child. So then my mind had to go uh, from wanting to be a coach and a teacher to taking care of a, of a, of a baby and my, and my wife. So um, I quit school, started being a truck driver for Atlas Van Lines. And, uh, uh, and that's, that's when it all started. At, at when I went to drive as a truck, uh, truck driver, and then uh, the next thing you know, they, we, right before I left North Texas, they had a career day in which the Department of Public Safety had some troopers there. And didn't know anything about working for the state, but I decided, you know, I wanted to do it and um, got into the department in 1977. Oh, wow. So that's how it all started. My career started and, uh, you know, from then on, it's, it's been just life. You know, I've had two marriages that ended the divorce, but now I'm, I'm on my third marriage. And, uh, you know, it's just part of life. But the, you make the best, as I say, you make the best of, of what life's given to you. Mm -hmm. So that's why it is there. So as we keep going, is um, now that I, as all my years in, as a DPS trooper, and, you know, I get to be with the community, and I, I still think the old trooper in a way of knowing the people. Mm -hmm. I lived in Ennis. And as the say, the say was, I either knew you if I wrote you a ticket, worked your accident, coached you, or I, you went to school with one of my kids. That's how I, I knew people in Ennis. And it worked out real well. I mean, I live, I'm still living in Ennis now. Uh, my wife worked downtown Dallas, and she grew up in Ennis. She, she was born there. So, you know, we just settled in Ennis and, and have our life there. And all the kids, like I said, the babies are now 8, 30 years old, so we are all on our own now. There you go. Well, so how has adoption shaped you? Throughout your life? Well, you know, at first, life is so busy, you don't think about it. Uh, I used to have a joke with my mom uh, that uh, she said, if, if somebody, if, if you found your real mom and she was rich, would you leave us? And I said, yeah, I'd leave and I'd come back with my money and take care of it. <laughs> but it was like an inside joke. And uh, it's just one of those things that never thought about adoption uh, being that impactful because never knew who my mom was, never knew what kind of life I could have had. And, and that's part of, you know, just the way it always was. And then as I got older, then I got involved with the Baptist home and the Christmas parties. And you sit there and you see the babies and you see the kids. And, you know, you start thinking, well, what could it have been like? So, you know, just part of, part of my life started going like, well, what could, it, what could have been? You know, what if uh, at six weeks old I wasn't adopted? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm here at 16 years old or, or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. What could have been my life then? Because, you know, like I said, I'm very blessed with a, a nearly a 40-year career as a state trooper and the friends I made and the, uh, the things I've done, 
how would that change if, you know, if I would have gone through the system and, you know, how would that have been, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know the odds are against you. So, and then, of course, you know, in the field of, of, of being an officer, I, I deal with a lot of people, meet a lot of people, and, you know, good and bad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know how to work with them, and you know how to work with it. So, it's just being an officer, uh, and then, you know, seeing the reality of what happens at the Baptist home and how good, it, it, you know, the kids are treated and, you know, they, the best they could get is what it would, you know, sort of brings it out in me to, to want to do something. With your career in law enforcement, um, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with Child Protective Services a lot of the times and you see a lot of things go on in the, the family home. And so is there anything in your career that, that you saw that helped inform you of the needs of kids in care? Well, you know, it's like one of the things that I did uh, as I started a bike riding event to help families of fallen officers, and I saw how we, you know, that money would help them further their life after they lost a loved one, it sort of hit base with once I got involved with the Baptist home, that I, I saw these children, you know, and again, that they needed funding since mom and dad weren't going to be there to help them go on to their secondary life. That, that's one thing I kept thinking. I said, what can we do? And that's why the scholarship made sense to me. You know, give them an incentive. And now that we're actually going to tell them, hey, this is there. Strive hard to get it. You know, that's like giving you something for nothing. Just just work for it. I, I, I really like that. Because, yeah, every officer's been there and has seen, a, a sport, you know, like from being at a bad crash that, that you know, where a child's crying that's why we always carry teddy bears and toys, you know, stuff to get the children just to relax them a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I, some occasions, yeah, you go to a location where is you just don't see how anybody can live there and there, there's a baby. You know, so, yeah, being a cop, you have to, you, you, you go from one minute that you're 100, 100 miles an hour enforcer to, you know, to lay back and be sympathetic about things. And, and it's just part of the nature. Not everybody can be a police officer. Right. Uh, and, and these days you can really tell. It's, it's, I, I, I'm glad I retired when I did, but you know, that's the thing. You're, you're, you're not, your mindset can't be in one direction all the time. You have to be flexible. You know, they used to say, you know, one of the sayings in Ellis County and on my side of the road was he writes everybody a ticket. He'll write his mother a ticket. <laughs> and I would make a joke. That's why my mom never drove. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was just part of the game, but yeah, you have, and, and, and I guess, you know, seeing what, what, a little bit of money could help some children. Uh, seeing the Christmas parties, how excited they get. Yeah, that was well worth it. You know, just to uh, uh, open up my, a little bit of money to help somebody that, that, might, that might need it. That's wonderful. And you really are a blessing to everybody here. Thank well, you. I think it's my opportunity to, I just enjoy it. I'm just, I, I, feel, I feel blessed to be able to do it. You know, that's my way. I enjoy it. Can you um, go into a little bit more depth about how our relationship started between you and the Texas Baptist Home um, with the Christmas parties? and? Yes, and I think we're talking about it. It was over 10 years ago when uh, got together with the Sheriff's Department. Johnny Brown was the sheriff at the time, and Hunter Barnes was still around. He was around then, too. So uh, we got together with him about throwing a party, and it started out small. And now, after all these years, like, you know, every year got bigger and bigger and better and better. And, and this is, you know, it, it, like, you didn't mind doing things like that because you knew the, the beneficiaries were going to love it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though, like, you know, you sit there and you, you make plans and sometimes last-minute calls, and then you find out the reality of what the home is. You know, you might have all the presents, and as Hunter says, I got that phone call, and so he had to go run to the store and buy some more toys because you never know. You know, you never know. As a, as a peace officer, I had a situation where we, did, you know, after 
arresting somebody for DWI or having an alter, a family altercation that the children are taken away. You know, at that time, I really didn't, I wasn't putting my place in the position that I see it now mm-hmm. where the kids went, right. you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, and, and that, that's sort of, and it, to me, it did give me more of a, you know, and again, I'm blessed that I can do this. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's not a, a lot of what I do, but to me, just having a little bit of money that I, that I can say, hey, you can use it, make something for yourself. And that works out for, pretty good for me. Absolutely. And you, you took that relationship a little bit further with TBHC in the form of a scholarship for our seniors, and it's kind of evolved. Will you kind of share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I, what I wanted to do when I found out that less than 5% of the, of the kids take advantage of going to school, of, of making their life better, of getting better education, so they will not put themselves in a position that possibly their parents were in or something. You know, to me, it was like, well, maybe, again, I brought up that child on Channel four, uh, 8 that uh, he was aging out of the system, that they had his story. It made, it, you know, put a, put a lot of reality of what, now you got a teenage kid that has to maintain himself, has to have a business, uh, you know, have a, a life of his own without support. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you t- everybody has kids that they put through college or, you know, even get them out of school uh, out of school and, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, how hard can that be? It has to be difficult as can be. The odds are against you that, you know, you know, you might get into the bad um, group and mm-hmm. stuff like that will bring you back to zero, you know. So I figure, you know, at the time that me and the wife talked, uh, we started talking about that, you know, what could I afford? So I said, OK, this is how much it was. And, you know, my deal was just to help somebody to get the foot in the door. If they just need a little bit of motivation by getting a little scholarship to say, hey, somebody is going to give me something and I don't have to do anything except use it the right way. That's, you know, that to me made, made a lot of sense. Yeah, it's made a huge difference in the lives of our kids that are they're 18 and ready to be launched. Um, it helps give them direction of what they want to do with the rest of their life. And it doesn't have to be just college. It can be... Um, trade school it can be you know whatever the field is something for the future for, for the future and that's one thing at first I wanted him to go you know again I said I, I wasn't a great student and that and that thing I'll never forget I'll never sit there and tell somebody my grades are great my deal is I wanted a trade school come out and and have an education in something that you're going to be able to benefit from you know, have an education that you can make, build a future. You can have a life. You can have a family. And even military. Uh, Military-wise, I think that's a, for a child to come out 18, 17 years of age and want to serve for your country, I'm, I'm all for that, too. If somebody says, hey, that's what I want. Hey, I need money for my car to fix my car. I'm all for that also. Uh, you know, there's a little joke in our family. My, one of my sons, who now is a Dallas police officer, uh, at a while, he didn't know what he wanted to be. And I confronted him. I said, listen, to get your feet underneath you, why don't you... I always wanted to be a Marine, but I never made it. I never got... The, the war in Vietnam ended the year I graduated, so I never got to go to war, thank God. But I told him, why don't you enlist? And the first thing out of his mouth was, why are you trying to kill me? You know, and it was, it was just a joke, you know. But, but like to me, there's some kids, and I know point blank, there, it's not college. Mm-hmm. It's not college, but a trade school could be there. You know, something like that that's going to benefit an a, a air-conditioned guy right now makes great money. Yes. A diesel mechanic right now makes, an airplane mechanic makes, you know, there's a lot of fields there that you have to get education. And that's one thing I want the kids to understand. You, When I went to college, I mean, excuse me, when I went to DPS was not when I had to quit learning. 
I had to study how to do different things from take giving and talk slice of tests mm -hmm. to even running a radar. You have to know how to run a radar. You have to learn how to do different things, shooting a gun, cleaning a gun. You know, so you never quit saying, I don't want to learn anymore. Mm -hmm. The day you quit learning, you might as well just sit down and, you know, look at a wall because right. you, your, your education is always progressive. It's always ongoing. And that's one thing I wanted. If I can help somebody just get that first door open, hey, that's, that's a really good deal. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of kids that have taken advantage of that. Either um, their goal was military or cosmetology or a trade school down in Waco. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've, they've been able to take that because of the opportunities you've provided through the scholarship. So we're very, very grateful that you, you offer that to our kiddos. Well, that's what it's all about. And like I said, I look forward to it every year. I really, I really enjoy it. Um, I, I like seeing the kids. I like the, I, like I said, a, a couple of years ago, I had a young man that sat down and talked to me in his eye. Boy, his essay was like three or four pages long. You could tell he was thinking. He was, and you know, and I even told my wife, I said, you know, uh, I wish I could keep up with them. Or, you know, I even tell them, I give them a card and say, mm -hmm. hey, if you need anything, call me, but I know how that is. But it would be nice to see where they're at, what they did, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have the ones that succeed and you're going to have the ones that tried, but that's part, you know, again, that's life. Right. It's not everything works out perfect every year. Yeah. Any words you'd like to offer encouragement or for foster parents that are encouraging the kids that uh, want to look at this opportunity? Well, for the foster parents, my heart goes out to them because I know it's a hard job. Um, I look for, I always look and, you know, you always think you could do better, but my heart goes out because you're actually doing something somebody else refused to do, mm -hmm. you know? And, and to me is uh, the parents, the foster parents, you, you know, they take them into their house as their own, but you, you, uh, to me is you treat them as your own. You want them to be educated. You want them to do better, just like you do your own children. And that's what it's all about. And that to me, it's like when a child you know, I don't have any homework. Well, let me see. You know, you just don't, you know, that's the way I was with mine. And in mine, I was, that's the way I was with because I knew I wasn't good at school. I knew my education level could have stopped and I could have just, you know, like I said, I'm very blessed that I got to be a trooper. But um, to, to make sure that these kids come out and use, you know, with the ability to go on and make a life for themselves, that's, that's a hard job, but, it, but it's always successful when it gets done. Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home. I knew my education level could have stopped and I could have just, you know, like I said, I'm very blessed that I got to be a trooper, but um, to, to make sure that these kids come out and use, you know, with the ability to go on and make a life for themselves, that's, that's a hard job, but, it, but it's always successful when it gets done. That's right. 
If there was one thing that you wanted everybody to know about adoption, what would it be? Oh, to me, to be adopted at six months old or six, yeah, six weeks old, um, I don't know. Like my parents told me when I was young that I was adopted. And, you know, to me, I really didn't understand, you know, oh, okay, whatever. Didn't really know at that young age what adoption meant. But we also knew a family that adopted a young boy that did not tell him. And then later on in life, when he found out, he was very upset. So I saw, I've seen both sides of the story, but being adopted, you know, and, and I see, you know, you watch it on television where uh, on Wednesday's Child that they're showing these young kids that want to be adopted. And not, you know, and again, you know, it's just uh, being adopted is, again, being blessed by family that's willing to take you in with their own family. And that's why I look at, not everybody can do it. And not very, you know, and that's the thing. The people that do open up the doors to, to these children and you never know what kind of life they had. You know, that's got to be another another story in itself that what, why these children are even here, you know. But to me, it's like I was very blessed. I look at it very, you know, now as I've gotten older, I finally got to find my mom, my real mom. Little did I know that while I was going to the DPS Academy in Austin, Texas, she was less than an hour away from me the whole time. Never knew it because I just finally found her three to four years ago. But she has passed away since. And But I found a sister or, or as my aunt. And, you know, found out, as my wife would always tell me, because um, I never knew why she gave me up. And that's a question always. Why was I given up? And at that early age, why was I given up? Found out that she got pregnant and uh, she was never able, going to be able to take care of me. So she took me to the, uh, she had me and left me at the uh, orphanage in Austin, Texas. So, you know, I was very, very much blessed at that point. I mean, this is in 1954 and, you know, uh, as I found out, the survival rate wasn't really high in those days. And back then, uh, if you got pregnant, sometimes, you know, family send you away and yeah. things happen. So to me, being that she had enough care, and that's one thing my wife kept saying, she did it for a reason. And, it, it, and you know, and it found out it was. It was a reason that she herself did not think she could care for me. And God, you know, here I am now, you know, 60 plus years of age. And I can't complain. I have a good life, you know, <laughs> that way. And that's it. So it's a blessing to be adopted. I think that I feel sorry for the, the the young ones that do not get there. But again, that's what the scholarship. That's why trying to get education in their mind is to make something of themselves when they're the ones that are going to have to do it. There's not going to be anybody else there. All right. So you mentioned you you found your mom three to four years ago. What sparked that decision to do that? And I'm not, my life has been full of stories. I always have a good story. But one of the things was that when I first met my wife, Diana, uh, she came to my house, and I, I don't even know how we got into the subject of me being adopted, but I was so eager to show her my adoption papers. And as I get older, this happens more often, I put them away in a safe place that I couldn't find them anymore. <laughs> and so later on in life, I, I, I decided, uh, I think, we, again, we were in conversation, and she goes, have you ever tried to reach out to your, to your mother? And I started looking for my adoption papers, looking and look. I never found them. And then my sister told me that uh, we, were, we were adopted in Austin, but we went to Marlin, Texas, and our names were put, uh, the adoption took place in Marlin. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Falls County. I got a copy of my papers. And in fact, we were headed to uh, visit a friend of mine when Diane got on the phone and she uh, Googled my mom's name and she pulled up the obituary. 
And the first thing she went, oh my God. And, and I said, what's up, what's up? And she looks at, she, you have her eyes. So everything sort of clicked after that. So my wife's into real estate. So she started looking at names uh, with that last name in, uh, in the area of, uh, of where, where she lived. And she found a couple other names that all matched and this and that. So um, during the same trip on the way home, uh, we found a phone number and called it. And uh, uh, of course, you know, how do you tell somebody, hey, I'm your sister's son, you know, <laughs> from 60, 50 plus years ago. And uh, that's what happened. I, I reached out to her sister. She had six sisters or five sisters. And uh, now there's only two survivors. And I got to meet with one of them. We've met at Applebee's. And uh, it was pretty hard because when I first reached out for her, she didn't really want to talk. And, I, and, I, and I've seen this on a, another uh, a news thing where they had uh, adopted children that tried to reach out to their parents. And there was some of them that were, don't call here again. Right. We don't want to talk to you. And, that kind of, and, you know, you're leaving yourself wide open. Vulnerable. You don't know. Yeah. Vulnerable. And then, of course, you know, and then... Uh, uh, in finding her, uh, we got to sit at the Applebee's for hours, and I, I think we finally had to just get out of there because it it was never enough, you know. And what's this? And, and you know, and of course, me from being from my perspective, I didn't want to go over asking. Mm -hmm. But she remember she was ten. This was the, the part that really floored me. She was ten years old when my mother was pregnant. She was in her teens also, and uh, she remembers my mother telling her. That, that she was going to have a baby and stuff like that. And she also remembers the day that my, that, uh, her, my grandparents, her, her parents, took her to Austin. Uh, to, and she said that what my mother had told her, that they took me to the Catholic orphanage in Austin. And when she had me, they took me out the back door, and she never saw if it was a boy or girl. Oh, wow. And didn't even know if I lived or died. Oh. And so, so that's the situation. This is 1950s, you know. And uh, again... She, you know, when we were talking, she just, you know, we, we have, right now she's on my uh, uh, contacts. I call her up, see how she's doing. She's 10 years older than I am. She still lives in the same vicinity down there. And I've gone met her with her before, uh, again. And uh, we get in good communication. Her, her kids uh, have reached out to me and stuff like that. But again, it's a weird situation, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, we never really got to know each other, but now we're sort of catching up. She's given me pictures, shown me pictures of her family, and of course she wants to see all my kids and that kind of stuff. So it's it's a really neat thing, but again, you know, it's sort of like a, a family you didn't have, but now you find out you do you mm -hmm. had one, you know, something like that. Yeah. But it was neat. Yeah, we, we reached out, and like I said, it was, the way it happened was very, like I said, it was sort of like, out of, thank God for Google. And, and, and searching and stuff like that. And it, that's how it all happened, little by little. And we got to meet each other. And, and you know, it's just, it's, I've heard interesting stories. But like I said, you know, we, in fact, we're planning another get-together uh, later on this year. The virus sort of kept us mm -hmm. all apart. But I, I want to meet with her again. She makes great, great tamales. Mm -hmm. So she wants to come up here so we can make tamales at our house. That's so that's going to be more of like, Conversation while you're while you're making oh, the tomorrow. Yeah. and that that's and my sister wants to meet her and and stuff and then I keep Google I keep urging my sister to meet uh, her family but see um, her last name is very it's, it's like a common Martinez mm -hmm. name that there's going to be several and she's and she's a little bit more pessimistic she sort of uh, you know thinks about you know what if and that yeah. you know and and uh, my old one of my sons uh, also pushed me into do that twenty three and me. Because not knowing who my family was, 
uh, medical, right. you know, and he doesn't know because on one side, I don't have any medical history. Mm-hmm. So we did the 23andMe, and then, so that was really exciting that from her, I'm a, a 16% Indian and, and Mexican, but yet I got British Irish on the other mm-hmm. side. So I don't even know who my dad is, but he was a British Irish guy, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, I, I, and I joked to everybody, ah, that's where the drinking comes in, you know, that, that kind of <laughs> stuff. But yeah, it's, it's been real neat. I mean, knowing what I didn't know really opens my eyes. That 23andMe thing, you know, really let me know a lot of stuff because I wouldn't have never known it. You never mm-hmm. would have, you know you know, lighter skin and stuff like that. Okay, where did it come from? Yeah, yeah I think that's the, the cool thing about that is getting those connections and yeah. getting another layer to learn about yourself and your... You know, medical is one thing, but yeah, seeing what, what you're, you know, like my, my wife is Czech and she can trace all the way back from the Czech, Czech uh, Wallachia and all that. And in fact, her mom just passed away and we're going through some of the old pictures of where they... First, there's one of them where they first got into the harbors of New York. Okay. I mean, it's really, really neat. But mine is, you know, I never had anything. So, yeah, it's really neat to, you know, just go on that route. That's awesome. I'm it, glad you're getting that connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And actually, we're having good conversations. Uh, she's on my list to call. We have a lot of old friends that we call. And, and we just, every once in a while, call her up, see how she's doing, see how's it going. Well, we're very grateful to the relationship that we have with you. And we're, we're thankful that you spent the time with us today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.